This is Paul Nobles from EatReform.com, and I am sitting here with our Quick Start members and also our coaches, and we're going to be running through what we typically do as fat loss chat. Sometimes this turns into a podcast, and then sometimes it's not really all that usable because, you know, the questions tend to go in a different direction, or we'll... Um, I end up stuttering as I am right now just because I don't have a co-host. Normally I do have a co-host, but she's on vacation. And so sometimes this gets a little bit difficult to do on my own, especially if there are no questions. So the quicker you guys can get me questions, the more helpful that will be. So what I wanted to talk a little bit about in the beginning was... Kind of, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about the new trend sheets and with good reason because it's been a very popular addition to Eat Perform. And if you're a member and you've not taken advantage of the trend sheets, you're really missing out. Um, what we're seeing a lot is that, you know, and we talked a little bit about this in the last couple podcasts where we talk about trend sheets where People tend to want to do the same thing over and over, and then they're like, oh, I don't, I don't get why it's not working, you know, and what we are able to do is just kind of move some things around through some level of carb partitioning or, um, you know, sometimes, you know, maybe the, the client is overeating. Um, undereating can be a factor. One of the things that we see that's been a real big factor lately is you have a lot of people, and I think to a certain extent this is where you know, the concept of reverse dieting can go bad. And I'll give you a specific example. Let's say that you have a client, and that client has been eating 1,100 calories, and you're trying to up their calories and mostly they've been eating fairly low and typically if you're going to eat that low you're probably going to be eating mostly low carb high fiber right so you're eating low carb high fiber and instead of 1100 calories now you move to 1300 calories well where are you going to get the carbs right a big part of reversing and getting that metabolism moving is actually sort of biting the bullet and kind of getting to that part where we can kind of keep your fats relatively low. A lot of times, you know, people come in and they're eat, you know, eating 50 to 60 grams of carb, uh, fats, um, but their their carbs are low. What we can do is is play with carbs a little bit. Um, where we're moving that up to a reasonable level and we'll kind of keep fats a little bit lower and then gradually move that up through the through the um through the weeks and so when you are coming from a really restricted background to a certain extent to get the real magic of what reverse dieting looks like you kind of have to get into that mid-teens level, you know, I would say 1,500, 1,600, to where you can kind of get your carbs up to 175 to 200 to really start to see some of the advantage. And then that's when you start to see, you know, your workouts get better, your metabolism start rolling, and things of that nature. So um, that's something I think is kind of an interesting point 
And Brad actually brought that up in the last podcast where he was talking about Lane Norton and how Lane works with clients. And he actually just kind of has them, you know, just trust the process right off the bat and then go all the way up. My suspicion just from conversations that, that we have with Lane, you know, is that he's not super aggressive on the high end anyway. Um, and maybe some of his clients might not be as active as some of ours are. So that might make up for a little bit of the difference there. So we do have one question. Vicky's asking, she has a client, 36 years old, 186 pounds, with macros currently at 225, 380, 225 protein, 380 carbs, and 70 fats. Started counting macros in January, started weighing, starting weight 212. Can't stop losing weight, continuously upping carbs. Do you suggest increasing fat? He recently competed in a powerlifting meet and looks to add muscle. Um, yes, I would definitely up the fats in that scenario. But what you're seeing is an example of what I'm talking about, right? Where, you know, when your fats are relatively low, weight loss kind of happens a little bit easier. Now, I will say that the 380 carbs will fill up his muscles, but at a certain point, 70 grams of fat does get kind of low. And I noticed for myself, uh, actually, I've been talking about this fairly recently, where, you know, th going through a bout of illness and kind of trying to make sure that I'm keeping enough energy in my body and kind of, you know, I had posted a bunch of pictures of pho. Well, what I was really starting to notice that that I needed to up my fats, and as I started to up my fats, you know, my calorie levels started to go over three thousand. But even at three thousand, I was I was weight stable. And coming out of being sick, I'd say I'm probably three to four days out. You know, I've been able to get a few small workouts in, nothing too crazy. Um, yesterday, as an example. I just ate kind of a reasonable amount of food, which was around 2,500. Didn't do that much activity and ended up dropping like two pounds. And so uh, that's where kind of the carbohydrate approach can fall apart and you would add fats in that scenario. And I would just gradually add, you know, probably, I mean, if you, if you added five grams of fat, you'd be fine. But truthfully, five grams of fat's not all that much. It's only 45 calories, and I think people overthink that a little bit too much. Um, I do think his protein's a little high for somebody that's 186 pounds, so that's something you could play with. Uh, I would probably actually play with the uh, protein and bring that down to one gram per pound of body weight if that's working for him, and then um, replace that with the fat so you know as an example it looks like close to about 45 that would give him five um let's see 45 see this is where it sort of breaks down but if we could replace let's see all right so he's 186 i'm I know this always goes really well on the podcast um, when I start breaking out the calculator, but let's see. Give me one second. My my calculator is hiding behind a bunch of screens here. 
So we've got about 186, so 14 plus 225, I'm sorry, 14 plus 25 times 4. I'm trying to do all this math too fast and it's hurting me. Times 4 divided by 9. Shoot. All right, 25 plus 14 times 4 divided by 9. Okay, so yeah, if you brought his protein down to 1 pound per body weight, that would get him 17 more. So you could bump his fats to 85 and keep, keep uh, his... Um, macros or calories virtually the same and you know fats are actually pretty favorable for muscle building as well right like the components of fat are helpful as it relates to testosterone as it relates to vitamin uptake all those things tend to be pretty positive so um, yeah that would probably be the direction that I would look at though truthfully if he's losing weight pretty easily you can probably just you know, keep him, you know, if he likes, you know, a lot of people like to have that much protein. I, I would say that, you know, it's a little bit more than he probably needs. Um, so I would probably default to what I said, but, you know, he could probably also up, you know, anywhere from 10 to 15, as long as he's weight stable and kind of seeing some of the progress. Um, I mean, remember that when we talk about anabolic type of activity, really talking about a calorie surplus so if he's losing weight he's clearly not at a calorie surplus at this point and there's probably a lot of work happening that's sort of stopping that and so you know one of the things that I talk about a lot was when I first started doing CrossFit um, I was you know building up these huge burns and my body was adapting to this new stimulus because I'd never lifted a weight in my life and I had to move up to 4,000 calories just to stay even right well, certainly there was a lot of a lot of fats in that process. Um, in fact, uh, there was a lot of ribeye steaks in that process. So fats were definitely a big part of the equation for me at that time. So let's see. She's saying she also has a client that's 16 years old, 190 and 6'5". He needs to gain weight to be competitive for travel basketball. He likes to gain muscle and mass. Practices two hours a day minimum. Okay, so the big thing as it relates to young people, especially someone that's tall like that, is weightlifting. And you can have this guy eat all the food that he wants, but ultimately he's just going to leave his body as waste if we don't have some kind of, you know, Part of a 16-year-old, right, is that you're seeing kind of these growth signals and without the stimulus to kind of help the, the, the muscle building in that process, the big thing for you, and I don't know what the answer is for basketball, I don't know what types of, of weightlifting you would want to focus on there, 
but I think that in general, you're looking at kind of whole body hypertrophy work. I mean, when I look at LeBron James, I see big quads, I see big arms, right? Those are the kinds of things that are going to be super helpful. I think one of the things that I see often when people are talking to young folks is they're like, you just need to eat more. And it's like, no, that's not there. You know, I mean, if he just eats more, you know, he might end up gaining a little bit more weight than, than, you know, we would want storing that as fat. And then ultimately that would be a negative as it relates to his sport. Um, one of the things I'm a big fan of, and I actually read an article um, that we might publish through um, a friend of mine named Jeff Milan. And Jeff was talking about building an athlete one leg at a time. And I love that idea, especially for young people, because, you know, what we tend to focus on is just kind of the, the deadlifts and squats and stuff like that. And I think that those are important. And I think there's a lot of bang for your buck with those those exercises. But there's, you know, I would argue more bang for your buck when you have an athlete that is underdeveloped as it relates to glutes. Is that going to help his jumping ability? Absolutely. Now, one thing I will say is that squatting, most versions of squats, lunges, um, you know, any type of glute work like like uh, um, hip thrusters, things like that, those will help jumping ability. And, um, you know, Bulgarian split squats is another thing that comes to mind. And just make sure that we're really looking at kind of, you know, overall strength. I mean, you know, I'm watching the, the finals right now. I don't know if anybody's a basketball fan out there. But, you know, you see certain athletes where they focus a little bit more on kind of lower body and then kind of their, their upper body is lacking. But then you look at, you know, some of the best, you know, obviously LeBron James being, an, you know, an example again, um, where, you know, his body is a little bit more rounded out. And so I think that there's there's a lot of the, a lot of value in just having a strong muscular frame as it relates to basketball. Um, so one of the things that I was going to talk about during some of these uh, these dry periods as it relates to questions, and once again, I mean, this is an opportunity for you guys to ask me anything and you know, we probably are not going to go super long here just because I've had my face in the trend sheets for a while. But there's some interesting things that you see with trend sheets that I think are kind of fun one-offs to talk about. So one of the things that we had come up, and um, I think, I can't remember Alicia's last name, but it starts with a C, and it's Cornelius, I believe, something like that. But we met in Colorado, and, and she's a runner. And one of the things that was sort of interesting, if you look at the way that I'm sort of structuring a lot of the plans, you have kind of your, um, when your carbs are higher, I tend to like to have your, your fats a little bit lower. Vicky's actually bringing up a great one-off, right, where... Um, for her athlete, you know, that scenario 
it, he's losing too much weight and so she possibly needs to up fats to kind of account for that. In this scenario, we had another, you know, another person that was um, seeing a little bit of a weight dipping type of thing as she started to go into running season. And so when you look at the typical formula that I would use where your carbohydrates are going up and your fats are going down and then your fats are a little bit higher on your rest days, her fats actually went up and so did her carbs on her highest number. And the reason I did that was because I wanted to be able to adjust for the days that she's running. And so um, that's a good one-off. Um, I think the other thing that, that we'll see sometimes, and, and this is sort of um, a module that we're working on that might not see the light of day for another um, six months, but what we're looking at right now is sort of like some stubborn fat loss scenarios. And uh, a good example would be that sometimes, you know, having someone with a significant amount of fat to use back-to-back -back days that are lower can sometimes help. I would say the majority of people is actually a hindrance, right? But if you have an athlete that's 350 pounds, maybe that makes some sense. I think a lot of people are going to listen to this and they're going to go, oh, that sounds like me. I need to go lower. I think what we're, what we're seeing and what I'm showing people over and over again, it's that their tendency to want to be lower more often, you know, is actually a problem. What we have in the case of bigger athletes, though, people tend to think that those guys don't come from a dieting background when in fact they do and they have a compromised metabolism. So what I try to do is I try to have them at close to where their body actually wants to be. So let me give you an example. Let's say that, that I look at the total daily energy expenditure and it was supposed to be 4,500. I might have them at 3,500, but then have kind of the back-to-back -back low days. So we'll play with that. And eventually what I want to move them towards is maybe more of a medium day at 3,000 than a high day at 3,750. The problem and the reason why larger athletes compromise their metabolism is they only have one trick, and that one trick is lower. And what I'm able to kind of show people and what we've been able to see a lot of success with is keeping that athlete as high as possible, getting as much as we can with the least amount of intervention, and then possibly, like I said, using either one or two low days to kind of... Um, flush out some of the, the fluids. The other interesting thing though, is that uh, most of them respond to rarely, fairly high carbs. I mean, not not, not carbs, um, fairly high fats. Um, I don't tend to like to get those people, you know, if as an example, you have somebody that needs 4,000 calories, you know, you could easily create a formula where 500, you know, carbs would be part of the mix. That's actually not what I've seen the most success with. And some people will say, well, yeah, because you're kind of keeping the insulin low. I wouldn't say that that's necessarily it. I mean, 
you know, kind of similar to what Vicky was saying, it's kind of difficult to get to large calories unless you have fat in the mix. And so um, I, I think that's one of the things that's super helpful there. I think the other thing too is that when you go super low, it does negatively affect, like I said earlier, you know, things like testosterone, hormone uptake, stuff like that. So having fats in the mix, especially um, at, at a decent clip, ends up being kind of favorable. And even in those scenarios, we're not talking about these people at low carb unless it's that, that one or two days that I was talking about. Um, but in general, you know, we're really just trying to get lower calories on those days but really trying to keep things as high as possible so we can kind of keep their work component. You know, what the thing that I always have my larger athletes focus on is that as they decrease weight, I want them working out harder in the gym, right? And, um, and it might not be the gym. It might be hikes. It might be lots of other things. But... When you are, like I said, you know, over 300 pounds, just moving to do anything is strenuous. And so, you know, as we start to reduce weight for clients like that, they just naturally get a little bit more energetic and they want to see their body kind of do cool stuff like most of us do. Right. And so it ends up being kind of a, a fun piece for them. So Vicky's saying, should I start around 4,500 calories based on the calculator? I was thinking... 225 protein, 500 grams of carbs, and 165 fats. Um, are we talking about the 16-year-old? I think that she is talking about the 16-year-old. The um, I would say that that probably is pretty close to the formula that I'd be looking at. The fats might be a little high, but... We need calories there. So I don't mind that. Yep, I, I understand it's the 16-year-old. Um, I will say this. It's out of basketball season right now. Now, I know that they all play summer basketball and stuff like this. But we got to get that guy. If he's going to eat that much food, he's got to be lifting some weight. You know, um, and... You know, one of the pluses of deadlifts and squats and, and stuff like that, assuming that they have good form, is that, you know, when you're lifting big weight like that, it does ask your body to change quicker, you know, in a way that single-legged work does not do it. So having them lift, you know, I, you know, I, I don't want, like a 16-year-old, as an example, trying to deadlift 500 pounds unless they can do it comfortably. But if we can get them, you know, just playing with heavier weights um, occasionally, I think it's going to be favorable as it relates to um, muscle building. Always sets and reps with rest is going to be a big component. And so if this person is trying to you know, go further as it relates to his basketball career, um, he's probably going to have to spend an hour or two hours in the gym working on building that body. That's a big, big part of it. And she's saying that they do have him starting weight training this week. Just remember, um, like I said, sets and, you know, if there's any one thing that I'd be looking at, it, I'd be looking at like 
um, one of the programs that I'm using right for my chest. That uh, chest is kind of a lagging area for me, so I'm doing sets of tens, eights, and fives. And so, like the first week is, I think at the tens level, the multiplier is like 0.45. Chad Wesley Smith wrote it for us for a long time ago. If you go to the eperform.com website, um, basically you just search the word volume and then it has a bunch of programs. Um, the one I use for my chest is the 1085. The one I use for my deadlift and squat is the 853. And um, the reason being is I want more um, sets and reps with rest. Uh, I think you can get kind of enamored with you know, there's also a formula for three, two, one. And, uh, you know, I think that that's a very small use case scenario. The good majority of us are probably going to be much better off, you know, with tens, eights, and fives, eight, fives, and threes, and then maybe occasionally something like a Windler, um, I think the big thing for an athlete like the one you're talking about is not getting enamored with just the piece of lifting heavy, but also the the hypertrophy work and the accessories beyond that. And, you know, I mean, the one thing that is, is kind of fun, uh, you know, especially if we're talking about some kind of, you know, high intensity work, CrossFit, something like that. You can kind of fit that in as, as a fun piece, but truthfully for him to build um, the kind of mass that you would need, you know, high intensity is not going to be be the ticket, especially for someone that's 6'5", 190, and possibly going to end up being close to seven feet by the time it's all said and done, right? That type of person is going to be much better off, stronger, you know, in that 255 to 275 range eventually, and ultimately that's going to help their athletic career along the way. All right, so I'm just trying to think of some other interesting scenarios that I have seen recently. I think what's been kind of nice for folks, and and if you're if you're not. Um, if you're in the coaching certification and you're not a member of Eat Reform, one of the things you might want to consider is becoming a member because you get to see the trend sheets. And we'll, you know, we've been doing a lot of videos and stuff showing you guys how the trend sheets work. But you know, having one for yourself and then you know, kind of working through the trial and error of that. What we're finding is that for new people, it's getting them up to speed real quick. One of the things that we talk to our coaches a lot about is to have their clients plug into Eat to Perform, even if they're working with their clients at the gym and they have a good relationship with them. The thing about the gym is you might have five to six people that are really highly motivated to do Eat to Perform, but when it comes right down to it, if you go into trend sheets right now, Okay, I think there's something in the neighborhood of about 1,200 people in there, and they're all doing it, and there's probably somebody that's similar to you or someone that you can kind of peep their plan and get some ideas off of. That is huge on a number of levels, but the big thing is social proof, right? So when you see 1,200 people doing something, 
it's a lot easier for you to come in. If you have six athletes and all six are at various places as it relates to their fat loss journey, yeah, it would be nice for them to kind of be able to meet with each other and, and talk about, you know, the shared eat to perform experience. But when you have 1,200 use case scenarios and it's it's growing by, you know, 50 to 100 a day, um, it really allows for a lot of different ways of thinking of things because even in the case of a CrossFit gym or any kind of powerlifting gym or you know just kind of a general fitness type gym, there are people that want to lift heavy. There are people that do a Ragnar. There might be people doing Tough Mudder, and so having you know uh, lots of different folks that you can can uh, kind of riff back and forth off of. It's been kind of interesting because we have the training group, we have the meal planning group. Uh, obviously, we've had slot for a long time. And then now the quick start group, all of which have been taking a back seat for me because I've spent four to five hours every single day kind of with my face in trend sheets. And in a lot of ways, the new folks that are coming in they're getting up to speed so quick. I'll give you an example of someone that, that I was talking to. And she actually joined group coaching. Um, and we got her into a trend sheet real quick. And she uh, was just so happy and sent me a message. Because the big thing that I had her focusing on was sleep. Because she was at five and a half to six hours. And as we you know, really kind of focused on that sleep component kind of move some carbs later in the evening. Um, she's been able to get anywhere from six and a half to eight, you know, which is obviously a big improvement. And, um, you know, her, her, the way that she's like cycling things and stuff, it, you know, she, her, um, the level of communication is so much faster. You know, I think one of the things that's sort of, you know, we had, a, we had a few people right off the bat saying, well, gosh, I'm already logging my food. You know, I have a Fitbit, all these different things. And now you want me to kind of put this information here. Well, yeah, and I, I definitely get that it can be a little bit of a hassle, even though it's ultimately what works out to be about 30, you know, seconds to an, a minute a day, right? But it's still something and, and it's not that it's not inconvenient because I do one myself and I know it can be a little inconvenient. Actually, I, I just log mine once a week. Um, but when you're looking at your MyFitnessPal, as an example, or if you have a coach looking at your MyFitnessPal and you're trying to figure out how this is all working out or you're looking at your sleep or you're looking at your workouts, Having that all in one place and being able to look at it, one of the big things that's happening right now is there's a lot of, I would say, mental masturbation happening related to the high, medium, and low, okay? So let's talk about that a little bit because people are way in their head, like, do am I working out enough? The high, medium, and low has nothing to do with, well, okay, it has a little bit to do with how, how much you're working out, okay? That is important. But what we're really wanting to see is kind of the disparity as it relates to the top end compared to the low end. And what we don't want 
are people constantly eating medium calories and never really seeing the the value of kind of that that top end because if they're trying to reach their goals what we ultimately want to do is give them some kind of clue both ways and so if you're at a medium day as an example let's say that your medium day is 50 grams carbs higher than than your low day it might not be that big of enough a difference for you to notice any trend one way or the other so if you never really give a high day a shot and you go well I don't know that I work out all that hard for a high day this last week I've only had one day that I've eaten less than 3,000 calories a few of those days I was sick but most of the days I've been kind of recovering from sick the most I've done is an hour-long walk Yesterday was my heaviest activity. I did 15 de deadlift reps and 31, um, 31 wide grip pull-ups. People are overthinking that piece so much. And frankly, what we really want to see is just more variants where we're seeing the magic of what you know carbs can do. And then also kind of uh, you know having some some low carb days in as regulators but what I think is you know people tend to focus on is the low carb piece kind of being the secret and it's actually you know I think it's just snuggling up to what most of you have probably done in the past and it doesn't end up being effective and part of the reason why is because you're you're just scared you know uh, what I'm able to have a lot of luck with and, and actually when we started trend sheets trend sheets started because we were working with them we had a client that was um, posting it in quick start she just found that it was helpful I was like well this is cool I'll start using it for myself and once I started using it for myself I was like wow you know this is I'm noticing some some ideas here that I need to work on so then I started bringing it to my group coaching clients and I you know I just wanted to kind of start it off with like four to five people and boom same thing with them you know it was it was super enlightening so then I brought it to my staff I was like man I, you know everybody that I'm talking to is having good results using this and you know um, Gina Patterson as an example um, was one of the ones that spoke up and was like well you know why can't we just do this and so that's how trend sheets happen um, it's actually something that we've been looking at for a while we've been talking to app developers and and found a million ways to not do it you know but we've actually stumbled upon the one way that would work and so it's pretty exciting and it's nice to see all of you guys not only using it but also seeing you know some success but what I always say and I mentioned this in the last podcast people are scared when we tell you to do something and it doesn't work but if we tell you to do something and it works now all of a sudden you'd be willing to try it right and usually when you're you're struggling and you're plateaued or you're trying to figure out a path when I can show you that one piece that kind of breaks that dam makes all the difference in the world right 
And that allows you to kind of get to the next thing. So if you looked at it and you go, well, okay, here's my eight hurdles that are going to stop me from getting to the finish line. Once you get past that first hurdle, now all of a sudden you have confidence to go to the second, third, fourth, fifth. And then obviously the goal is some, you know, some results related to body composition long term. But if you constantly struggle with just trying to get over that first hurdle, you know, you're sort of kind of stuck in the mud there. And so, you know, any little bit of success makes a big difference. All right. So we haven't gotten a lot of questions up to this point. Um, Vicky's been awesome. And actually, I loved all your questions. I thought those were really cool use case scenarios because, you know, um, they're, they're not like, the total norms and that's kind of the fun ones to play with um but i appreciate everybody being here um, i'm gonna cut it a little bit short because like i said i've spent the whole day in trend sheets and i'm you know my, my mind is yeah i feel like the guy from beautiful mind right now you know where there's like numbers going all over the place but i have to tell you guys it's been so much fun you know there's nothing more motivating than working with highly motivated people. You know, when when people are really looking towards, you know, trying to make self-discovery, man, it really, you know, makes you want to wake up every single morning. And, you know, today I had a client that I've been working with for a while and, you know, he's kind of been struggling with a, a decade number. And, you know, every morning I've woken up, you know, for the last three or four days, all I could think about was, did he get below that decade number? And today was the first day. And so that was that was really cool. I try not to attach myself emotionally to you guys' journey, but it's hard sometimes to not do that because, you know, just because, you know, you got under 200 pounds, you know, it might be natural to go up to 201 or something like that, right? But, you know, I try to distance myself from your journeys, but it gets difficult at times. And I love helping people walk through some really difficult moments. And one of the things that I'm seeing that I think, you know, we've always had a great deal of success with. We've always had a great deal of success with the people that can do lots and lots of work. What the trend sheets are allowing us, though is to kind of play on the borders a little bit and show some people that might be working with an injury or might have, you know, um, some kind of liability that doesn't allow them to kind of build these huge burns and stuff like that. And so um, the science of total daily energy expenditure and, and, you know, talking to Mike with metabolic flexibility and stuff like that, all these things apply. It's just a matter of how big is your window or how small is your window and what do we have to work with. Um, let's see. So Michelle is asking, if we request a chin sheet, what's the average turnaround time? Just trying to figure out if I should request one again. Um, right now, I believe it's something in the neighborhood of 24 to 48 hours. Um, shouldn't be very long. If you're still struggling, I would say, you know, by to 
tomorrow or the next day let me know and we'll make sure to get you one um that's the other thing i wanted to let you guys know that there is going to be no more saturday class so what brad and i have decided to do instead of saturday class is we're going to um, review trend sheets specifically for quick start right so that's going to be really super fun because it's going to allow us to focus, especially on like performance focused fat loss. So, you know, I think one of the things that we've seen a lot with PFFL is kind of similar to what I was talking about with the new people, right? Sometimes with PFFL, if we don't catch people early enough, they're like, oh my goodness, I'm two to three weeks in and I've only lost two pounds. Well, by the time you're two to three weeks into PFFL, you should be down three to four pounds. The good majority of the weight that you're going to lose during a PFFL is in the beginning. And if you don't, then we have to look at why, right? And um, the basis of fat loss is pretty simple. The majority of the time, it's either you're eating too much for your metabolism or you're underdoing. And there's always like some kind of combination of the two. And one of the things that I think, you know, this is a little bit anecdotal, but I think it applies for just about everybody. If you started Eat to Perform, let's say, four months ago, and you, it took you two and a half months to sort of figure things out, but you had heard from everybody that after three months you could PFFL, so you submit your numbers, and, you know, off you go. Well, sometimes... You can kind of wake up that sleeping dieting dragon and people go, well, that, you know, sounds a little, you know, kind of loose, Paul. You know, that doesn't sound so super scientific. Well, when we're talking about calorie burn and calorie numbers and stuff like this and some level of cycling, it might take a little while to sort of figure out that piece. So in the beginning, sometimes we'll set your numbers and you might not see a result, might have to be a little bit aggressive for that first time because that acclimation period just wasn't completely there. Like I said, one of the things, you know, this was one of the first things I mentioned when, when I led the podcast was if you're reversing and you're trying to up your calories to be weight stable at, you know, um, coming from a relatively low deficit. A lot of times what we're figuring out is those folks need to bite the bullet a little bit just so we can get their carbohydrates to a point where they start to release some of that water weight that they can accumulate. And that, you know, a lot of the times you'll start, you'll see kind of that, you know, what, some people have referred to as like puffy paleo or skinny fat type look. We are now, right, right as I said, um, I was going to leave. We're starting to get some questions. So how often should I request a trend sheet week review, weekly or less often? Well, actually, Jody, I reviewed your sheet today. Um, I'm not going to be reviewing everyone's sheet. Um, if you're in PF, if you're doing PFL, if you're in Quick Start, you can get it reviewed a little bit more. Um, but I did add you to the list of people for your team, and so your team will check in with you. And so if 
there's something that rises to the level of you needing more attention, they'll, they'll call me to action. But in general, most of you should be sort of finding a groove of what works and what doesn't. And what we're really trying to focus on is how to make trial and error work for you. And I'm going to end on this note, or maybe I'm not. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay, Lori's answering the question. So, and she's saying that there's a 48 window, 48 hour window related to trend sheet reviews right now. Um, but I'm going to end on this note because one of the people that I was talking to was a scientist um, today, and we we brought up a good point. When you're trying to get a reaction as it relates to some kind of study or scientific activity. The closer you are to the other pieces of yet you're trying to get moving doesn't really always highlight the error, right? Or, or what would work the best. When you're just focusing on calories in, calories out, or you're just focusing on low carb, or you're just focusing in on high carb, it's often the opposite that you need to tweak in more than just a little bit, you know? And I think a lot of people do that just from the standpoint of their overall comfort level. You know, they're like, well, I'll try this a little bit, but it's actually trying it a lot where we're talking about having a big enough spread to see, you can see, a, see an overall difference. Um, so that's going to be a big thing. Shane's asking, do I get a trend sheet on the forum? Um, someone can probably get you set up there. I think Lori will, will be able to address that. She's she's watching this right now, so she'll be able to answer the question. So Melissa's asking, so Monday will be the beginning of my seventh week of PFFL. I've only lost three pounds. I asked about my numbers a couple weeks ago. We tried to increase knee, but it hasn't worked. So this week on my own, I decided to just eat at medium numbers, hoping that is the right way to go. Sort of depends. If you have a trend sheet, I'd be happy to look at it, Melissa, and that would probably allow us to, um, to see what the problem might be. Um, I'm assuming that you're in the trend sheet group. If you're not, then you should be. Um, my suspicion for people that are in your situation, neat is often a big activity she's saying do not have a trend sheet yet emailed for yesterday okay good so once we have the trend sheet let's take a look at it here's where most people stall though most people stall because they're um, playing too high right or they're playing too low and they're doing both things too often one example that I had today was I had a client actually I think the client just talked up just a second ago um, and they got really frustrated with their PFFL so I was able to look at their past activity to see what caused the problem and when I looked two months previous to that realistically their PFFL numbers weren't dramatically different right so if we go back to what I was just saying, when you're doing an experiment and ultimately, you know, a deficit is going to be an experiment, you have to have more distance. And there is an answer to why you're struggling. 
And the answer is probably relatively simple, right? You either overeating your metabolism or you're underdoing. Um, more often than not, people are very attracted to the idea of eat to perform, mostly because they like to be able to think that they can eat an adequate amount and still lose a certain amount of fat. And they certainly can because, you know, um, eating an adequate amount of food and, and, and working out is going to build lean tissue. That's going to be helpful as it relates to fat loss. It's also helpful as it relates to metabolism. But when we start to look at deficit patterns and we start to stall, okay, and like you said, we added meat and that didn't work. So what's the answer? The answer is probably need to be a little bit more aggressive. So going to your medium numbers helps. Here's the one caveat. If your medium number is relatively low carb, can you can you do me a favor, Melissa, and just type in what your um, your macros are, and maybe I can kind of adjust those on the fly. I'll probably shut down the podcast while I'm doing it, but if you could get me those macros, maybe I can make a quick adjustment to help you. Um, so Michelle saying, Lori, what's the trend sheet group? Okay, so she's just going to get help from Lori along the way. All right, so I'm going to shut down the Facebook. I'm going to shut down the podcast. And then um, hopefully Melissa will get me this information. I can help her make that adjustment so she can actually get rolling before she gets her trend sheet. And I uh, appreciate everybody listening. I actually think we covered a lot of cool ground here, and I appreciate all the questions. Vicki, I loved all your questions. Um, those were awesome. So appreciate everybody being here, and I'll talk to you later.